earlier in the day on Friday, I was um, in my car and on on the uh, playlist that I've made came a song called The Rock That Says My Name. It's kind of perhaps appropriate uh, if we look at the, the beginning lyrics of The Rock That Says My Name, given that today's Halloween, um, the song goes this way. I talk to the people that lie beneath these stones, imagining they listen makes me feel less alone. I pick up the broken flowers. Sometimes I dig a hole to welcome in the new ones, introduce them to the old. I can use a chisel and polish the same. I'll put anything you'd like to say under a name. And I'll put on my suit, sure make my tie is straight, lend a hand to the morning, sending loved ones on their well, on their way. Well, I ain't afraid of dying because I know where I'll go. There I'll live forever on the streets made of gold. Till then, I'll keep on working. You won't hear me complain. And every day I'll tip my hat to the rock that says my name. And at the end of the song, the song ends, and um, you can tell it's an older man, uh, southern accent, and um, he simply reads these verses. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And just that, the last words of this passage were what particularly resonated with me, and and I think coalesced some of the things that I've been thinking about for some time um, there, your heart will be also. Um, and just thinking about the condition of my own heart and the condition of, of our hearts, um, the condition of the hearts of those around us, um, thinking about where my treasure is, there will my heart be also. But my treasure could very easily be my own heart. Perhaps I'm my treasure. And I'm not saying that in a good way. Um, Jesus, when he was asked what the greatest commandment was, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And when we think of that, and love your neighbor as yourself. I always just think about loving my neighbor. Um, and I've mentioned it before here, that idea of loving ourselves. Um, and we're not told not to love ourselves, but there's a danger in loving ourselves too much. We probably don't love our neighbors well enough. And we're probably... Um, more interested in, in loving ourselves. 
Um, and um, so in light of that, this passage that I read about storing up treasures in uh, heaven or on earth, Jesus says, concentrate on things that will last by good quality, right? I mean, if we think about going shopping, some of us don't care how long it lasts, and, I'm, and we're a very disposable society. So some things we buy knowing that we're going to throw away, and other things we buy because we want good quality. We want something that's going to last us for years and years and provide enjoyment, we hope. So this moth that can destroy, there was a great awareness associated with fine clothing in scripture. If you think about it, Joseph had the coat of many colors. Elisha's servant, Gehazi, when when he he ran after, um, who was it? Naaman. I was going to say Haman, and I knew that wasn't right. Uh, when, he, when he ran after Naaman and he said, look, my master changed his mind. He would like this amount of silver and two changes of clothing. Achan took a bar of gold and a garment. It always confused me why he buried the garment. I mean, I know he was hiding it. But you're thinking you took this fine, maybe you put it in another bag or a box or something. I don't know. We don't have to go there. But I always thought, like, what in the world? You, you, you thought enough of this garment to steal it, and now you just buried it. Anyway, but if a moth gets in, it doesn't take long before it destroys the fine clothing, before there's holes in it, before it's not that piece of thing that you want to put on and look really good in because it's kind of falling apart where it says rust, where rust corrupts. It literally means eating away. In that culture, where would the value be? There would be value in the gold and silver, in the raiment, in the, in the clothing that showed, showed prominence and, and wealth. But the idea of corn and grain stored in barns well, what happens when the worms get into that corn and grain? What happens when the mice and rats get into that corn and grain? It's, it's eaten away. It's destroyed. And who wants to take their grain out of something that's had vermin running around in it? So steel rusts, gold doesn't. But I don't know how much steel they had back then. So I think this idea of rust speaks more of, of the corruption of, of the grain and, and the value and the position that it held for, for the culture of that day. And thieves, they lived in clay houses, more or less. And so breaking through was as simple as like digging a little hole in the wall of somebody's house and getting in and, and stealing their goods. So all of these things speak to three pleasures. The pleasures of a fine, a fine garment of clothing while our suits wear out. All purely physical pleasures have a way of wearing out, don't they? Um, things spoil. Drugs, you need more and more. 
I mean, that the first time I, I, I understand the first time that someone takes some opioids, heroin in particular, that the sensors in the brain are like, wow, this is the best thing ever. But then nothing takes the place of that first time. And that's where the addiction comes in. So that, that physical pleasures have a way of wearing out, have a way of not satisfying the way they once did. Pleasure can be eroded. As we age, our tastes change. Things that we once enjoyed, we don't anymore. Um, and the pleasure erodes. And pleasure can be stolen. If we take pleasure in things, then those things can be taken away and they're not secure. So apart from Christ, the me is my pleasure. Apart from Christ, the me is my pleasure. So if I want to say where my treasure is, apart from Christ, my treasure is the me. That leads to wrong priorities, where we pursue things and pleasures. He who dies with the most toys still dies. Oh, I'm sorry. It's he who dies with the most toys still wins. I got that confused for a moment. We have things to be seen so that we can be seen in them and with them. And then when the them changes, we have to get more. We have to get more stuff. Our relationships fail. Relationships all take time and energy. And apart from Christ, who knows best how to love me, um, then apart from Christ, I know best how to love me. Which means that all of my relationships are either barter ethics, where that friendship provides me with something that I want or something that I need, whether it's physical or tangible, or it provides me with an experience that I want to have. But my relationships are all caught up in that barter ethic of it's all about me. Um, And beyond that, the reality is that most relationships are found wanting because I know how to love myself the best. I know how to love myself better than anyone else. And that's the reality that most people live under these days. The rat race is real. In Ecclesiastes, the writer says that God has put eternity in the heart of man. But if I'm not confident in my eternity or confident in the value that I have before the creator of the universe, then life is truly vanity and I will never accomplish enough or have enough. If we add on top of that, the ifs, all the ifs, what if the dam breaks? What if every time it floods, I have a flood? What if I have PTSD from Hurricane Ida? What if the COVID vaccine changes my DNA? What if the COVID vaccine is preparing the world for a new world order? What if the market crashes? What if, what if, what if? And now 
we're futilely living in a world of fear. So apart from, apart from Christ, our labors are all to satisfy me, and I'm living in a world of fear. The underlying truth in all this that um, from this passage that Jesus doesn't actually come out and say, but it's implied, is that we have a choice. The world apart from Christ doesn't have a choice. The world apart from Christ is laying up treasures on earth and living in a world of what ifs and paralyzed by fear. But praise God, we are set free. That's what Paul means when he says in Galatians 1, Christ set us free so that we should remain free. Stand firm then and don't be fastened again to the yoke of slavery. In Romans 6, we read, we were slaves of sin and have been set free. Do you see the difference here? I mean, the point is, is that we had no choice before and now we have choice. We had no choice but to live in fear and to live in just pure self-satisfaction. And now our hearts can be different. Our love can be different. Our priorities and motives can be different. It's not about the treasure, is it? It's about our hearts. It's about my heart. It's about your heart. Jesus loves me unconditionally. He cannot love me any more now than he did. He will not love me any less for anything that I can do or say or live up to an expectation. That's God's grace. In John 4, sorry, 1 John 4, 18, we read that in love, there is no room for fear. I know that I am loved by God, and that sets me free from the bondage of peer pressure and from stuff. Now I can live for him, to please him. Now, in worship, my heart sees myself in light of God's grace and his love. Does not realign our thinking when we come here to worship when we think about the greatness of the sacrifice of the son of God, if we think about, as we think about the beauty of his person, as we think about how he chose to love us and chose to die for us, as we're reminded of that in worship, it realigns our thinking. Now in love, I can have my heart's priorities aligned with the God of the universe. So the outcome really of having my heart changed and my heart aligned with the God of the universe that I have choice now when I didn't have choice before. I have choice to obey him when before I was only a slave. Now, the, the, the natural outcome of that is that I will lay up treasure in heaven, not as a duty, but because of God's work in my heart, 
in your heart, producing hearts that love him. So let us pray that we can live in the reality of God's grace and his mercy and his love, that we will love and live from a place where our hearts are grounded in him, that our treasure is in him and in living for him. And as we live in the reality of this, let us also pray that we can show the great hope that we have in confidence and security to the world around us. People are hurting. People were hurting before COVID. They're hurting worse now. People, people are living on the edge and, and we see them. They sell us our groceries. They are the UPS driver. They're all around us. And if we can have a word of testimony and encouragement because our hearts are full of a love for God. It says that out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. So let's fill our hearts with good things. Let's fill our hearts with a love for him and then pray that there would be an outflowing of that to those around us. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these words that you spoke about treasures And truly, our treasure is in you. You are that pearl of great price for which we should sell everything. Help us to live for you. Help us to live in confidence of our salvation. Help us to live in awareness of having been freed from sin. Help us not to return to it, but to walk with you to honor you with our lives. Help us to be salt and light to the world around us that so desperately needs to know your love. We pray this again, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.